We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, the Lakers won a battle of two especially terrible basketball teams and managed to come out on top because between Carmelo Anthony losing his mind and Anthony Davis deciding to close the game out, which actually I think is a longer term like, yo, AD looks great and AD has looked great in a number of different ways. And I'm sure we'll get to that. But Darius, that was an awful basketball game that I'm glad we won. But somehow I I, I managed to be even more frustrated than normal, even though we snapped a three-game losing streak, even though I know LeBron is out, even though, even though, even though, even though, right? So talk to me. That was a talk to me about what you saw on, uh, last night because I, I thought there was a, a lot of bad to it. That was the version of the team I hate. Yeah, like I openly and look, I don't use that word lightly. There are definitely if you watch the game with me on a certain night, there are definitely times where you're where people might be like, this ain't the same dude. I know, right? Because there are definitely games where I feel a little bit more volatile in terms of how emotional I am around whatever is going on. Last night was probably one one of those games. But I thought the Lakers came out with a certain amount of like, we know what we have to do. And they were doing it. I thought mm-hmm. they were flying around the court defensively. They were contesting shots. AD was really stepping up in their ball screen game and contesting floaters and mid-range jumpers. They were playing a lot of the pick and roll actions wonderfully, I thought, in order to contain the ball handler, contain the roll man. AD got beat by Nurk a couple of times, like in deep post seals. But besides that, it was just like everything was in the paint that the Blazers scored. Anything outside the paint was you ain't get nothing clean well, and and they couldn't make anything even when they did yes but a lot of that is because like look i think you set the tenor of the game by 100%. we're on you right in the same way that it's just like oh a guy gets a couple of wide open jumpers to start the game and guys are just like oh this is what what it's like i i'm in an empty gym and that 
feeling of rhythm comes to you early. Mm -hmm. This was a game where it was the opposite. I thought the Lakers were up in guys Mm -hmm. on their jumpers a lot. And when that's the feeling that you carry forward, guess what? Now even some of the open ones, those miss too. Because you actually don't have a good feeling around your shots. And then the Lakers of, yeah, let's stop caring. Let's stop doing the things that we're supposed to do. Let's just sort of throw the ball all over <sighs> the gym. Let's not box out at all. At all. And it's like a light switch. It happens just in the in the blink of an eye. It, it's like, what was the name of that movie where... Um, it was that Pixar movie. Mike, you you would know because you got young young kids. The one where um, the guy fell down the manhole cover and then suddenly he's like dead and then he uh, – but then he's like in the hospital and he comes back and he's like the cat and all of that stuff. It, it was the one that came out just a couple of years ago. Wow. The guy's a music teacher. And I, and I, I feel can't like remember. I'm not going to deliver. Yeah. Anyway, anyways, someone's going to be like, oh, you stupid person. Like it was – the name was – what was this? And I can't remember. Anyways. That idea of like soul? these dudes, soul. Yes, I didn't. I didn't see it, but I just typed Pixar movies into Google and did some deductive reasoning. Got and you. that came out in twenty twenty. Okay, all right. Yes, good. soul in soul. Is it good? Yeah, it, it okay. is good. Touch at the heartstrings. Very like okay. modern Pixar. Anyways, the our movie podcast will come on next. <laughs> the guy falls down a manhole, and like he's just walking down the street. It's the best day of his life, and he falls down a manhole, and suddenly he's in a coma. The Lakers have the great ability to fall down a manhole Pete, and suddenly they're in a, and suddenly they're in the coma because I'm just like, what happened to y'all? And then, then it's just like, okay, let's play. We're going to keep playing. But at that point, I'm like, Mike, every play that I see a mistake, it's just bothering me more and more. And they were making lots and lots of little mistakes and lots and lots of big mistakes. And I'm just like, what are y'all doing? And so even on the plays that are successful, I'm noticing the mistakes like, oh, defensive stop rebound. Well, why did you help in the post like one pass away and leave your guy open in the corner? Yes. Like like all of these things. And so last night was one of those nights where I'm just like, oh, these MFers. Even so, though they won the game, I was just like, oh, everything they did was making me mad. Everything. It was it was a frustrating feeling even in the building, I think. Uh, you know, it's so whether and probably people watching on TV felt that way. People in the building certainly felt that way. And I think it's because there were some moments of real genuine quality on defense and like effort wise. And they were forcing contested shots. And but it got dangerous when Portland Literally didn't hit a jump shot. We did a hit on this to start the uh, on the broadcast to start the second quarter. They were 0 for 11 from the perimeter. And, of course, that's not going to continue. Norman Powell and McCollum and Simons are all excellent shooters. That's that's one thing that that team really can do. And then Nurk steps out, of course, and hits a couple of threes, too, that, that switch the tide. So Portland explodes in that second quarter and scores, what was it, I think 37 points. And, yeah. And it, like, it, it was a – other than that – the Lakers pretty much shut their water off. Like they had 16 in the first, 22 in the third, 19 in the fourth quarter. Portland wasn't playing a particularly spirited game. You know, they we were talking about this early in the game, and I, I had texted you guys like this. They're right now 
they're in that place where they don't really have something they feel like they're playing for. Dame is out. I think they they don't really think they can have him for the rest of the year. Guys are on the trade block. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a, a weird. So it's exactly the kind of team you want to play if you're trying to because they've got vets. It's not like the young athletic team that might give you a problem because they don't know that they don't have anything to play for. Although like, their bench did pre- precisely because of that, right? Exactly. So exactly. That's what I was going to get to. But but yeah. a couple got all of a sudden trend in Watford, who a lot of <laughs> right. folks probably haven't heard of, um, is is all of a sudden all over the offensive glass. You know, like, like uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is playing decent. CJ Ellerby. They're just they're just kind of trying hard. And that does switch the game to some extent. And then I to repeat an analogy that I made to you guys right before we started recording. The Lakers had a couple of guys that were just hitting on 19 in blackjack, just keeping just doing the same stuff that should not have been done very obviously right in front of right in the open you know and you can kind of look over to Frank Vogel and just kind of like trying to stay you know trying to stay calm and and they did pull through mostly because of Anthony Davis and Davis finally was like okay no one else is getting a rebound inside for the final three minutes like enough this no one else is doing it on the offensive side of the court on the defensive side of the court and a couple other guys made plays Mello was terrific you know just in, in shot making and on the glass and in, in talking Mello was plus 15 on the night so and if not for night Mello in year 19 the Lakers would have lost this game and mm-hmm. and so it's just it was a frustrating evening of course they had to get the win but it it can it, it gets right back to where we were where when is LeBron coming back like, is LeBron coming back? Because I think that's part of the frustration, Pete, where if LeBron isn't able to get back to full, full LeBron, and is, I have, we have no information about when that's going to be or, or whatever, then it seems just not good enough, you know, to – and I guess that's an obvious point. But it, that's part of the frustration, I think, building in is that realization that if LeBron – if you don't have him out there, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, well, certainly there's a – I don't think we should build our team when we have LeBron around the idea that we won't. So there are certain things where ideally you could build out a roster and build out everything where you have exactly every single tool that you need for every single situation. But no NBA roster in NBA history has fit that description. And within that, you have to be able to, uh, you know, kind of get the best out of, out of what you have. But in LeBron's case, when LeBron is out, he's so responsible for the organization of this team on offense. You mentioned that aside from that second quarter, and in general, we played a pretty good defensive game, just measuring by our capabilities of our players. All in all, I was pretty happy with how we defended in in that game. And it's the biggest reason why we won that game. And so there was, they were trying, right? It wasn't a night where you can't play We've seen nights where they're not trying on defense, and what happens? We give up 130 points. So it's it wasn't a lack of effort last night in my eyes, D. It was a lack of organization, especially on the offensive end. Mike pointed out, like aside from that second quarter, how poorly they scored. Well, like 21 of their points were points off of turnovers. So in most instances, that's like, you know, football quarterback throws a pick six interception. You're not going to charge that to the defense. It's a matter of the points were scored because of something your offense did. And so they shot 35% for the game, Portland. Yeah. 
And that's with 21 points off of turnovers where you're giving up these really cheap and easy points. So if you take those away, that's even uh, that even reflects a, a, an even better defensive performance. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, D, I want to hear your thoughts on how we can get more organized on the offensive end. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. One of the things that changed in that second quarter is they went to a 2-3 zone. And their zone, and they picked up full court sometimes out of a like a 1-2-2 type of setup and then would fall back into the 2-3. But the point being is their 2-3 zone gave us a lot of issues for like two quarters or a quarter and a half at the very least. And it allowed them to get back into the game, I thought. And so – there's a lack of organization offensively that I find frustrating that I think is also part of the reason why we're 23rd or 24th in the NBA in offense. So just talk to me about the offensive end of the court without LeBron and, and where we can go. So Darius, can I, can I tip you off on this one? Just please. with a, a to, to, cause I want your thoughts on this. Like I also, I just think of Russ a little bit in this context and the way that he plays. And if you put a, like a wall in front of him trying to break through it, and as opposed to, you know, a LeBron or a Chris Paul and like dissecting the and I don't that's probably way too simple of a way of thinking at it. But I, I do think that's one part of it where oh, big part of like, it. yeah, with with Russ. And so I, I wanted to just set that on the table uh, for you. Yeah, man, I think that that's a great point that you're making there, Mike, about like there are. The best players ever, there's um, there's tools for every job. 
sometimes you need tactics in order to beat a big wall. You don't need a blunt force tool. The Lakers without LeBron, Pete, to, to speak to your point, are short on tactics at times. And they are more like, okay, well, yeah, I can use a hammer for anything. Mm -hmm. And this is the best analogy I can make in terms of a tool. It's like, yeah, you can hammer in a screw if you really need to. Probably not the best way to insert a screw. You should probably use a screwdriver in order to put in a screw. But, hey, I don't have a screwdriver, so I'm just going to hammer it in. And I thought some of the things that the Lakers were doing against the zone was just like, okay, well, your only solution to beat a zone, and I thought one of the things that helped the Portland zone is that they were adding ball pressure to their zone look. So it wasn't just, hey, yes. we're sitting back in here passively and sort of inviting you to swing the ball around. What they were doing was they were like trying to speed the Lakers up in their mm -hmm. reads within the zone and then having all the help set up behind that ball pressure so that, oh, well, my natural inclination against a zone is to is when or against ball pressure, ball is, to pressure. Drive ball, is to drive ball pressure, mm -hmm. right? It's what you're taught. Yep. But when you drive ball, ball pressure and then the zone is set up behind and the reads then are different in terms of what your kickout reads are, then it's just like, well, we don't know what we're doing. And so one of the, the main way that they were trying to beat the zone, Pete, was like, let's just screen the top of the zone and let's screen and screen and screen the zone. And that can work. Screening the zone can It's work. one of the tools. Yeah. But there were like zero flashes into like into the center of the paint. There was zero attempts to play high low with Anthony Davis sort of either at the high portion in order to play high low with like Stanley Johnson, where Stanley Johnson can run the baseline or the opposite, right? Or even like, okay, well, who's a good passer? Like Austin Reeves, you're a good passer. Can we put you in the middle of the zone a little bit and flash you in and out of the middle instead? Nope. You know what we're going to do? We're going to screen the zone. Oh, that didn't work? Let's screen the zone. Hmm. I'm wondering what we should do next possession, Pete. How about we screen the zone? And, and, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Are they going to figure anything out? And this is what was leading to my frustration about the game in general is, is like, no, no. And, and that idea of organization, I think that this – I don't want to condemn Russ for this, right? But one of the things that I really want from my point guard or my lead initiator offensively and chief decision maker is like, is that level of organization? Is that like, you go over here, you go over there, you set up here. This is sort of the, the, um, the algorithm to break down what the other team is doing defensively against us. And there was not enough of that. And if the solution is the coach has to call a play every single time or has to be like, hey, do this. This is a way to organize things. I don't think that's a solution for guys that are on the court. Like, So where are you at with some of this in terms of trying to resolve some of these organizational issues without LeBron James, who is their best organizer? 
yeah, you either need that player or you do need to get, have it from the coaching staff. And I don't expect Russell Westbrook to be an organizer. I've watched Russell Westbrook his entire career. I know how he plays. And this year has provided a lot more depth and color to to what I see in his game, but he's essentially the same dude he's always been. And so like the, I, that is one of his weaknesses. He is a, he's an interesting point guard in that I view him more as a weapon and he's this unique player that nobody else in the league really plays like Russell Westbrook. And because he's such an athletic force that like, you know how good you have to be at something for like go under screens on Russell Westbrook or influence Russell Westbrook to take a jump shot has been on every scouting port report in Russell Westbrook's career. Keep him out of the paint, force him to shoot jumpers. You know how good you got to be at something to be able to do it anyway, even when they're looking to to stop that. And so that's what he's great at is getting penetration into the paint. And I think he's a really underrated passer. He does make some loud turnovers, but he also makes these just incredible like, oh, we created this wide open three out of nowhere type of uh, assist. But that is what Russell Westbrook does. It's this very clearly defined thing as a point guard, quote unquote. But the organizational aspects, he's very weak in that. And you're right. That idea that we're up against a 2-3 zone, we have enough veterans and, and personnel to be able to like, you don't need the coaching staff to be like, let's play some high-low. Hey, we have Anthony Davis, who's one of the great mid-range bigs in the NBA. How about you flash to the free throw line, right? That's not something that you necessarily need. But in the absence of that, and teams like I see us being in kind of a funk. Like we talk so much about the specifics and the details and the lineups and the schemes and all of that. But I I feel like a a certain funk has started to permeate the team in a way that that Mike is – that's concerning me above all else because all of the schemes and lineup stuff doesn't really matter if you don't have this kind of sense of togetherness in the first place. Well, so I think it's a a totally accurate point. But to me, what that funk represents is – some lack of uncertainty or belief without knowing what's up with LeBron. And I think it's it's similar to what I said with Portland. Once Dame was out and he's not there, and like not only is that your leader, but that's the person who is most responsible for the way that you play. It is it is hard to go out there and to have that same that same semblance of belief like what if AD or Mello or Russ, like some of these vets been saying all year long, like you know what? We still feel like if we just get our guys uh, together, all healthy at once, we still feel like no one can beat us. And even if that becomes a more difficult thing to believe, the fewer amount of time they get on the court together, just because of facts, it it does it does absolutely permeate the way that you play. And that's that's what I felt. I felt that lack of LeBron there. And I'm sure it's not just that. That was just at least my read on it. And when you you could just. Stu talks about this all the time. Like there's just a certain pop that guys get. And it's it's like you walk into the gym and the biggest dude, you got the six, seven guy um, walking in behind you when you're in high school and he's there and the other team looks up and they've never seen you before. There's no scouting reports. And it's like, uh-oh, like look at yep. And you judge it just based <laughs> on height moment. almost, you know, yep. like getting off the bus. And that's what LeBron does all the time when he's walking mm-hmm. in with you. And, and so I do feel that that's, there's probably something else to it. Guys, but that's the thing that I think is 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 uh, partly there or most responsible for the funk. I think that's a great point. And I also think that probably the trade deadline is looming to some degree. It's very obvious that this Lakers team needs to make 
some changes. And how many of the guys on the team right now are wondering, am I going to be here in two weeks? You know, and, and to what degree does that engender a sense of togetherness if you're not sure you're going to be here in a couple of weeks, right? So let's take another break, come back. Let's uh, not have an entire bummer of a podcast after a win and talk some Anthony Davis. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Darius, I don't watch a ton of college basketball, um, but the first time that Anthony Davis ever took my breath away was when he got a rebound in one of the final four games in his one year at Kentucky. He came flying in from the weak side and high pointed the rebound, which is what you teach rebounders to do is like get it at you. And it's a timing thing, right? Get it at the peak of your jump. He high points the rebound with one hand and then gathers just at a level that it's like two, three elevator floors higher than anyone else on the court could reach. And he dominated that national championship game as a rebounder and and defender. And that's kind of how he came into the league. His offensive game grew over the years, but he came into the league as like, this guy's one of the best defensive players in the world from day one. And part of that is his rebounding. That was the first dominant Anthony Davis rebounding game, especially down the stretch when we needed, we freaking needed that W uh, that I've seen in a while. And so combining that with kind of the agility of how he beat Embiid versus some of the in, in the paint domination that he had against Atlanta, just this Anthony Davis that we've seen since he's come back. Wow. What a player, man. Mike, what did he have last night in terms of blocks? Three? Three. Again? Yeah, three. So Anthony Davis has played four games since he came back. I think in those four games, his block totals are four, four, one, and three, right? So he's averaging three blocks a game. It's his third game now with three or more in the four that that he's played. He had a block against Nurkic on a little jumper where Nurkic had basically just been bodying AD and really taking it to his chest. And AD finally stood him up on a possession and Nurk still tried to get off that jumper. And AD showed that sort of exquisite timing that other guys block shots in ways where it's just like, oh, my goodness, that's just a forceful like Giannis does this a fair amount. And LeBron does does this, too, where the ball is in the air already and they go and get it. JaVale had one of these the other night against Harden where it literally looked like that old Lou Alcindor picture where like he's his elbows above the rim and he's grabbing the ball. That's one kind of block. 
AD has these great timing blocks where he mm-hmm. is meeting you. You talked about high pointing a rebound, but yep. AD high points blocks mm-hmm. when the ball is at a guy is taught off. You're taught offensively. Get to the top of your jump. Have a high release point and then release it. Right. Because guys aren't going to be able to block that most of the time, especially if you're a big dude. AD got Embiid like this twice. Right. And he got Nurkic like this the yeah. last night where that ability to sort of just play and show timing defensively. And then Pete, like the rebound, that offense, the offensive rebounding and the one that he got, the you described the one that he got at Kentucky. He got a very similar one last night against the Blazers where. Oh, yeah. One Russ, of the, down the stretch of the game yes. where he just reached back with his left hand. Oh, man. Russ. Him and AD played two like two man game and Russ basically there was no angle. They were going under screens and Russ basically was just like, OK, well, the shot here is a pull up jumper and it's actually the right shot considering clock and everything else. It's not the shot you necessarily want, but it's the shot that's there. So Russ takes a pull up jumper and AD is literally 17 feet away from the basket. He is at the foul line extended and Nurkic has a hand in his rib cage, and AD is sort of jostling with him. AD watches the flight of the ball, and you see the switch turn on for him, Mike. He basically is like, yep, I'm going to the glass now. And if that ball is anywhere in my vicinity, and my vicinity is massive because I am a pterodactyl, right? And I could just play above the rim and spread out wide, and anything on this side of the court is basically going to be mine. And he went and he tracked the ball down and he got it. He reached back with that left arm. He swooped it in. He went underneath the basket, drew contact and faded away and shot a shot. It missed, but he drew a shooting foul. And it was that sort of effort because Pete, remember you had texted us like, I wonder what AD is going to be able to give us down the stretch here. Mm -hmm. He was looking tired. He had settled for a long jumper. It went in, but I was just like, oh man, AD looks tired here he's been playing hard so Vogel said after the game that he like he wasn't sure from a fatigue standpoint what AD was going to be able to do either because so let me let me take us back to the first quarter there was a in the first quarter a reporter tweeted that something like AD asked out you know because of implying that it was some kind of an injury and I was like no he he's tired like he put his hand up for a sub which he doesn't in, in the past, remember, AD almost always would play the whole first quarter. And he's still getting his legs back. He's still getting his win back. You know, he he didn't do much for with the sprained MCL. Like, he wasn't out there doing conditioning a ton. To speak to that point, in that backstage Lakers segment where they were talking about AD, they had asked about, Fisdale had, had said, like, I, I've been telling them, if you're tired, put your hand up, ask out at the game. We will get you out so you can rest. And so I think that's, I just wanted to tie that point together here that if AD actually did ask out in the first quarter, it's, it's likely because his coaches are telling him, like, we need you to play to a certain level in terms of athleticism and verve. And if you're tired, ask out, we'll, we'll get you out, we'll get you a blow, and then we'll get you back in. The phrase that Vogel keeps using is, is play to exhaustion, which he complimented LeBron for and said, more guys need to do this. And so, and then AD said, play to exhaustion after the game, explicitly. The other thing, Pete, for me at least, isn't he falling less? 
Oh, since he's that's been a back. good observation. Yes, he you is. Just thought about that. I had not, but that's absolutely the case. So maybe we'll watch. I want to watch a little more carefully, and I might rewatch some of the game before the Clipper game. But that's interesting. It's just interesting to me. You know what? What's the reason for that? Is was there? Was there something like, cause to me, part of the reason why he was falling so much is that he was like, it was almost like he was trying to avoid landing a certain way. And that's important on those kind of rebounds that you guys mentioned, because you can't, when you're going to get a rebound yeah. like that, you don't mm-hmm. know necessarily where your foot might land or where your foot might step. Like when you're jumping over three NBA dudes, which is something that only he and a couple of other guys in the league can do. So I just had that thought occur and I'm interested as the season goes on to watch that. I think that's a great observation that I'm going to keep an eye on too, on like, I think landing points, that's, it's also something, there's a reason why players like AD don't do that for 82 games a season. And I got a certain sense in that game last night that AD was like, yeah, we need to end this losing streak tonight. I need to access those parts of my game that only I'm the only player on the court right now that can get to this type of player. But the reason I don't do it in part is probably exactly what you said, Mike, like that I don't want to land on there are three people underneath me. When I jump up above above everybody, everybody is below me and there's all these feet. And yeah, I I, I get it. But D, it seemed like he just decided like, no, we're going to win this game. And that's kind of what we need from now until whenever LeBron gets back, especially just to however we need to win. If it's ugly, it's how we got to get it done. Mike, AD spoke after the game and he said, you know, I really just tried to lead these guys. I tried to be a leader. And AD is never going to be like the big vocal guy. He's never going to be the staring ice daggers through you like those old Kobe memes, right? Where it's just like his eyes are, are becoming red with the glow, right? And, and and he's searing right through you. AD, the way that he can lead, obviously, is he can always talk and he can explain what, what he sees and he's going to be a respected voice because he's Anthony Davis. But the real way that he leads is just like, I'm just going to play hard and I'm going to dominate in this moment. And I thought the last four minutes of that game where he literally did, I feel like, get every rebound. He was living on the offensive glass where he said, nope, you're not moving me, right? I'm getting one foot in the paint, and I am standing you up. If you've got a forward on me, sorry, Robert Covington, you can't keep me away from from this. Oh, you want to try to sandwich rebound me? Sorry, I'm going to fend off Nurkic with my left arm, and then I'm going to reach up with my long-ass right arm, and I'm going to tuck this rebound and pull it in and kick it back out. He was a monster defensively in terms of just contesting shots and, and being a presence in in a way that is felt around the paint. And he can't do that for 36 or 40 minutes a night, right? But... That picking of his spots, which is something LeBron does a lot, honestly, and AD has not picked a lot of spots in the last couple of seasons where he's really turned it on. I thought this season he did it against Detroit, for example, where in that closing minutes, he was just like, yeah, we're not losing this. Charlotte was another one. Kate Cunningham, you're trying to isolate me? Like, sorry, man. Like, Like, you're not doing nothing against me. I'm Anthony Davis. And... Hopefully LeBron is back soon. No one, but, and even AD at this level can't like replace or replicate LeBron, but he can be a physical force 
in a way that impacts the tenor and the tone of how a basketball game plays out, right? Like in that middle portion of the game and at the end can be a closer in in his own way. He's not a closer within the context of I've got the ball and I'm making all of the right decisions a la like LeBron or a Chris Paul, but he can be a closer like, nope, I'm shutting off your water. Like, oh, I'm going to the glass. I'm securing us an extra possession. He can do those things at a level that not many guys in the league really can. So just to, I want to get a thought, Pete, on this, because the Lakers, of course, have to play the Clippers, and they're right there in the standings next to each other. And the Clippers are without Paul George. We know that Kawhi's been out. But they're, before the, I think we all agreed before the season that the Clippers were going to be better than most people thought. Uh, in uh, some mix of their veterans, plus Ty Lue, plus teams not necessarily getting up to play them, especially when they had a star, let alone two out. And that's exactly what they've been doing. They've been they've been coming back from big deficits and just winning games. They've got a bunch of vets. Uh, they bring vets off the bench, and then they've got just enough young guys to to bring that level of athleticism that could give the Lakers some problems. And so I think here's the hard part. Anthony Davis, as tired as he was last night, is going to have to do it again. Like he's going to have to be the guy, I think, that he's the key player. And again, stupid, almost obvious comment, but he's got to be a, more than just his normal come out and get kind of like 25 and, and 12. Like I, I do think he's going to have to access some of that tonight because uh, I just I don't know where else on the roster it's coming from right now. Malik Monk is going to shoot better than he did yesterday. You know, maybe Stanley will, will get a couple couple things going, but like Mello and Bradley shot about as well as you could expect. And I, you know, I don't know again, if Russ is going to, is going to find a way to get through whatever Ty Lue has built uh, for defensively. So I'm curious your thoughts, Pete, going ahead of this game. And if you want to wrap up any AD thoughts in that context. Yeah, no, I, those two things tie together because the player that Darius was describing the manner in which AD can be dominant is in some ways, you can view that as the ultimate dirty work player. And you'd never view Anthony Davis, number one pick overall, superstar as that. But it's the rebounds. It's the fending off Nurkic with one arm and skying for the board with the other. It's the shots that the opponent doesn't take because they're afraid you're going to block it. Or it's the footstep, footsteps they hear when they blow that layup because they heard they thought Anthony Davis was right there. And the other players on the court know when AD is in that mode – and it's it's intimidating. It comes with an aura and a presence of, you know, you see AD closing out to you. Maybe you take your three-pointer just a, a little bit faster. You want to get it out of there a little bit quicker because you know he can cover so much distance in such a short period of time. And so when we face a team like the Clippers, they, to me, they're really organized and they have guys who play hard. And they have a, a decent amount of depth, right? Like they're not playing a ton of vet minimum players, even in the absence of Kawhi and Paul George. We can talk about all of what that means, you know, with in comparison with the Lakers and, and our roster and all that. But with the respect, but with respect to this game tonight, you can beat teams like that when you have a guy that is just like they can't even get they don't have anyone that can get close to what AD can get to. But the big ask is doing that on the second night of a back-to-back as he's still getting his wind. I think that concept of play to exhaustion, D, that Fizdale is encouraging uh, uh, AD toward, even even if it just means 28 dominant minutes of Anthony Davis, 26 dominant minutes of AD on the second night of a back-to-back, that 
I think that is what gives us a chance rather than more than anything else. I think we're going to learn a lot in that first shift in terms of what he has. Yeah. Um, the first shift against Portland, I thought AD played really well. Um, and he's done that consistently in the games since he's come back from the knee injury. And so to me, that's sort of what I'm looking for from Anthony Davis tonight is like just set that tone initially at the start start of the game. Like I'm I going like to be something you're going to have to deal with all night, yeah. even if he's not going to have to be dealt with the entire night. Like put it out there that you are going, going to be and see how that moves the game in the direction that you want it to move in. Right. Um, the other thing is too, is just like, look, the Lakers are going to have to hit some shots. Like the things I'm thinking about in terms of the Clippers is like, they've still got guys who can knock down some shots and I'd love to see Russ get it going a little bit. This game, we didn't talk a lot about individual player frustrations this game, but we talked about general frustrations that happened against the Blazers. But Russ was high on my list of guys who he was were, so bad last night, who was frustrating me. Look, this is you're the LA kid. You play for the Lakers tonight. You play against the Clippers, right? And so maybe go out there and and get one done for the team. They could really use a, a really good Russ game tonight. AD brought it last night and he closed out that game. I would love to see Russ sort of bring the requisite level of play hard and attentiveness. Yeah. It doesn't need to be at this super high level. It needs to be at though at the level that he's capable of. And that can be at an impact making level. Right. And, and, and so that's sort of what I'm looking for tonight against the Clippers. All right, we'll be back uh, tomorrow to cover how the game goes. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant. 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two, one, missing. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.